State Senator Sue Rezin joining us. She is in Morris, uh, in that area is, of course, where the LaSalle Veterans Home is. Uh, and, Senator, it's uh, been a, a really couple of rough months here, especially after the COVID-19 outbreak there at the LaSalle Veterans Home. Uh, well, first- it took, what, 36 lives thus far? Good morning. Good morning. And, yes, on November uh, 1st, the LaSalle Veterans Home began experiencing a deadly COVID outbreak that ultimately took 36 veterans' lives, and um, 90% of the residents were infected with COVID-19. It's a, a hard story to cover because uh, these are human lives and uh, their their loved ones and families uh, impacted by this, and I'm sure you've heard a lot from those uh, those impacted. Well, I first received a, a phone call from someone who worked at the facility about um, their concerns. And their concerns within the facility really centered around um, improper or breakdown in infectious disease control within the facility that causes outbreak. Now, this was the deadliest outbreak in a state facility in Illinois history. 30% of our veterans at the LaSalle Veterans Home passed away from COVID-19. And if you track the timeline from the, you know, the beginning, November 1st, when there were four cases of COVID-19 at the home um, to the end of November, well over 200 people, veterans and employees contracted COVID-19. As you mentioned, we had 36 um, veterans pass away from COVID-19 out of 121 who were in the facility. Um, I've been really, um, you know, reaching out and demanding from this administration why it took this administration 12 whole days to do an on-site visit um, since the since the onset of the outbreak. This is something that should never happen again. Yeah, looking at that timeline uh, that was released after, um, uh, well, I guess right before one of the uh, few committee hearings that have been had about uh, uh, oversight of what happened there, uh, and, uh, federal investigators actually were on scene first, uh, and they, mm-hmm. they highlighted all kinds of different problems from ineffective hand sanitizer to uh, improper um, uh, pandemic protocols, um, or I guess, you know, protocols not being properly followed uh, and a variety of other problems. But yeah, one of the things that uh, highlighted in the, uh, in the timeline was uh, the, the, the state department of public health didn't do an onsite visit for uh, up to 11 days uh, until after the outbreak. Mm -hmm. So um, when we, when we talk about uh, who knew what, is that what you're trying to get down to with, uh, with the um, uh, freedom of information act request you've filed? Mm -hmm. Well, I filed a a FOIA, um, several days ago, and it's requiring this administration to produce all communication between the Department of Public Health, the Department of Veterans Affairs, between this administration, and anyone else that they talk to regarding the outbreak at the LaSalle Veterans Home. It, You know, they have been, in my opinion, slow-walking this investigation um, and information that has been foiled, not only by me, but by several news sources to find out exactly what happened to cause a 12-day delay before an on-site visit, which, you know, if, if history serves itself, when we had the Legionnaires outbreak at the Veterans Home in Quincy several years ago, um, the Auditor General did a report. In that report, they made several recommendations. This report was presented to this administration in March of 2019, one full year before the pandemic started. So this administration received the report. They signed off on the report and said that they would implement 
the recommendations, which were ensuring a timely response for on-site assistance. So when you come on site and you bring all of your infectious control specialists, and there's a team that handles this at the Department of Public Health, and also the Veterans Affairs and the U.S. Veterans Affairs came on site, they immediately saw the breakdown in protocols that would have immediately stopped this rampant spread through the home. So um, the recommendations from the report were ensure a timely response for on-site assistance, um, improve communications between the Department of Public Health and the Department of Veterans Affairs. What was said, uh, how do you bring a response team in to make sure that we stop the spread as soon as possible, and implement CDC recommendations following a confirmed outbreak. Had those three recommendations from years ago from the Auditor General's report from the Quincy home outbreak, we would have never experienced an outbreak of this magnitude at one of our veterans' homes today. We're talking with Republican State Senator Sue Resin on the WMAY Morning News Feed, 644 now in the capital city. Uh, and, Senator, there's uh, another element here of your uh, Freedom of Information Act request for the governor, I think, is uh, interesting. And that's uh, you're looking for uh, the the uh, documentation of uh, grants that are awarded for the health navigator mm-hmm. system, uh, which includes the uh, contact tracers. Uh, for people who aren't familiar, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, sent to the state to help facilitate the contact tracing and also health navigators for people who are are COVID positive. And this money was given out to um, uh, you know county uh, health departments all across the state. Uh, what are you hoping to uh, find here? Uh, how this money was ultimately spent? Well, we first of all we want to see where this federal money was distributed. I mean, it's the state of Illinois received millions of dollars from the federal uh, government from the CARES Act to do just that. And we're not quite sure how the money was distributed. And I would like to see how much of that money is actually getting in the hands of our local health departments, because they were, the governor said, the local health departments are in charge of the contract contact tracing. Now, with that, there comes a huge expense. We want to make sure that our local health departments have all of the resources that they need in order to hire the contact tracers, in order to make sure that uh, they have everything to do their job to the best of their ability. Senator, uh, this asks the question of transparency over the past year, because uh, it's been uh, you know almost uh, 12 full months of the governor issuing these COVID-19 orders uh, and a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, I guess, uh, opaqueness as to how decisions are being made or uh, you know what metrics are being followed, how those metrics are tracked. Uh, you know, we've had questions about the, uh, the 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 false positives that are possible with some tests, and whether or not a COVID-related death should be listed as a COVID death, and so on. Uh, how important is it that we have full transparency now, uh, almost twelve full months uh, into this? Well, you know, originally when the pandemic began, uh, we we have never experienced it, you know, as a government before. And setting up uh, the logistics of dealing with a pandemic at the beginning, um, we learned a lot, let's say. But here we are. We're a year into a pandemic. We've learned a lot. It's time for the governor to stop um, executing executive orders and allow the legislature to come in and also be a co-equal branch of government to help make decisions. 
um, as opposed to the governor just purely making decisions and then um, implementing them through executive order. Other states are doing it. We need to get away from a one, you know, um, one branch of government rule and allow government to work as it's supposed to work. Allow us to come in. Um, We have been asking for more transparency. Um, We do feel that there's a lack of transparency on a multitude of issues. One that we're talking about now is um, the ability to effectively distribute vaccines to the local public health departments. We have all kinds of questions about why certain health departments are receiving vaccines as opposed to other counties um, are not. And when we ask the um, governor, the response is, you know, they throw out different, a whole list of different metrics that they're looking at. But to us, it sounds like it's a gray area that allows them to make decisions as opposed to being fair across the board from one end of the state to the other. Um, We're also asking for more communication with the administration uh, throughout the entire state. Again, if you talk to local health departments, they will tell you that they do not know until sometimes two days before they receive vaccines that they're receiving vaccines, number one, and number two, how many vaccines they're receiving. They're expected to put, uh, you know, a um, logistically put together a place and staff within two days to administer the vaccine, not knowing how many um, shots are available. So, again, there's a lot of lack of transparency all over the board. And we're asking the governor to be more forthcoming um, and not, you know, force our hand to make us send in um, Freedom of Information Acts to try to get some answers that we should be part of the decision making. State Senator Sue Reson with us. Uh, now, you know, I don't think the governor's been asked uh, in a while, uh, you know, why not get the legislature more involved? When he has been asked that, he said, hey, they can come back and do whatever they want. Is this more a question of the, the lack of the legislature's action? Uh, is that more on the shoulders of uh, Senate President Don Harmon and, uh, you know, former House Speaker Michael Madigan, now uh, new House Speaker uh, Emmanuel Chris Welch? Is it more on the Democratic mm-hmm. leadership of the legislature that hasn't stepped up to provide that check and to to force some transparency? Well, we were frustrated with that as well. There's no question. Um, The Senate was allowed to meet um, virtually. Uh, The House under Speaker Manigan was not. It's very frustrating for us. It's difficult to, you know, uh, move ideas, move bills through. If if one branch of government can meet through a virtual Zoom or WebEx call and the other branch of government is not. So, um, we're starting to, um, you know, address that issue. I'm, um, I'm happy that the Senate will be in. The House is starting to come in again. They did pass new, new rules under uh, the new Speaker Welch that they are able to hold commuti- committees in the House via Zoom, which is a step in the right direction. So, I mean, that certainly is an impar- important part of what we're doing. Um, but still, the governor has tremendous power through executive uh, order to um, make policy decisions that really should be going through our branch of government. And he continues to use the executive order to wield his power. We do have, and finally here, we do have uh, a deadline coming up. I think the governor's most recent 30-day order uh, expires Sunday. Uh, Do you anticipate, have you gotten any indication that he's going to re-up that for another 30 days? He really does not tell us. We we hear at the very last minute. Um, I don't know. I probably would not be surprised if he, again, um, 
extends it for another 30 days. Um, but again, we're in session. Both the Senate and the House are able to meet. We're able to make decisions. It's time for the governor to allow all branches of government to be part of the decision-making process as opposed to, uh, you know, the go-alone um, attitude of the governor, which is to mandate through executive order. State Senator Sue Resin, thank you so much for taking time with us this early in the morning uh, on the WMAY morning news feed, and we'll uh, see what happens when you guys head back to town next week, all right? Thank you.